Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The Apostle Peter says to gird yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud. And then he says to be humbled under the mighty hand of God. Well, humility is a striking virtue in a Christian. And genuine humility bears an unmistakable fragrance, a sweet aroma of Christ being expressed in a person's living. False religious humility also carries an identifiable fragrance as well, but not one that attracts and draws men to it. Of course, the greatest humility in the universe is that of the Lord Jesus himself, who humbled himself for our benefit, putting off his own glory and even becoming a slave for us. God's desire today is not for us to try to imitate such a humility, but rather to submit ourselves to his mighty hand, receiving him not only as our Savior from sin, but even as our humility. Bob Danker has joined us for uh, fellowship on a sweet and wonderful and encouraging portion, isn't it, Bob, in First Peter? Very encouraging, Chris, and very sweet, as you said. This portion really deals with the matter of humility And it does say that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So those who are genuinely humble will receive grace from God. This is a wonderful thing, because grace is God himself Mm -hmm. dispensed into us to be our full and rich supply for our daily living so that we can live a life that expresses him. As we uh, tried to point out, I think, in this opening word, to me, uh, you know, thinking back over my life before I was a Christian and in the many years since, this kind of false humility that often is sort of passed off in, you know, in religious circles and even in Christian circles, it's a very distasteful thing. And yet the real, the genuine article is something that is so attractive that people just can't help but to want to follow it, isn't it? That's right, Chris. The genuine humility is very attractive, but it is somewhat difficult for God to produce this genuine humility in us. And I think in this broadcast, we will see that we need to cooperate with God uh, because God is working around us, upon us, in our environment, and even within us to make us genuine persons, persons who have a sincere and genuine humility that puts us in a position to receive his grace. Well, we're in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, uh, verse 6, which uh, I mentioned a moment ago. Very strong phrase here at the beginning. Therefore, be humbled under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. It seems that Peter had experienced uh, both, the mighty hand of God humbling him, and also uh, kind of the produce of that humbling, a genuine exalting uh, near the end of his life that is uh, 
as we've mentioned many times now in this life study of First Peter, something that became strikingly a reflection and an expression of Christ himself. That's right, Chris. All right, let's join Witness Lee, and uh, we'll be back to fellowship after these few minutes of his sharing on uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 5, in like manner, again, Peter uses this word repeatedly, in like manner. This surely refers back to all these verses talking about submission or subjection. Now, in like manner, Younger men, be subject to elders. And all of you, you see, eventually, he says, all of you, including the elderly brothers, elderly sisters, all of you, gird yourselves with humility. When you become humble, girded with humility, you become a kind of a humble and careful person. What is to be proud? To be proud is to be high, and to be humble is to be low. When you are low, you are in a position to receive God as the life supply. That is the grace God gives to the humble believers. Therefore, be humble. You yourself cannot be humble. You need to be made humble, mostly through the sufferings of uh, persecution. Now you can see persecution has a good point. It is used by God to make us humble. This needs our cooperation. We must be waiting to be made humble under the mighty hand of God. Humbled is passive, and B is active. So this is a kind of a active passive. God's operation on us needs our cooperation. Be humbled under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Whether God will humble you or God will exalt you, it depends upon your attitude, what way you give to God. You may give God a way that forces God to humble you. You may give God a way that helps God to exalt you. It depends upon your cooperation. Well, Bob, I was just trying to make note of some of the things that he uttered that I thought were particularly striking. He says, when you were low... You're in a position to receive God as the supply, and this is the grace that God gives to the humble. But this last point also about be humbled, this active passive, it seems the Bible is full of, and especially the New Testament is full of examples of God's work being matched by our cooperation. I think there's a lot here, isn't there? That's right. Actually, this is a principle in the New Testament that God is always working to accomplish something in and upon his chosen ones, and then his chosen ones, his, the believers in Christ, need to exercise themselves while God is working to cooperate with God's working. This is a New Testament principle, and we see it here in this portion in First Peter. Actually, this is very striking. The word here 
about God resisting the proud but giving grace to the humble. As I was reading this, I had the thought that the first one who was proud in this universe was God's enemy, Satan. In fact, Lucifer, the angel created by God, became Satan because of pride. He became an enemy toward God. So anyone who is proud, in a very real sense, is acting in the same nature as God's enemy, Satan. This is why God resists the proud ones as an army resisting the enemy. This is God's attitude toward man's pride. God cannot accept man if man is proud and can't give us anything if we are proud. So the problem is we have a naturally proud nature. In mm-hmm. a sense, we, are, mm-hmm. we think highly of ourselves. Right. So God is working through our environment to humble us, to make us humble. But then Peter says here that we need to be willing to be humbled. That means we have to cooperate with God's working so that God's working upon us will produce the fruit of humility or a kind of lowliness within us that will put us in the position to receive the grace of God, which is really what we need desperately to carry out God's eternal plan. So God is working on us in our environment. On the other hand, we need to realize that our environment is not an accident. It's really, we are actually under the mighty hand of God. (laughs) God's mighty hand is upon us, even in our sufferings. And so we need to have a certain attitude, and that is a willingness to be humbled under God's mighty hand, to be brought low, to be emptied of our high estimation of ourselves, you know, so that we can be in a position to receive God's grace and God can favor us instead of resist us, he can favor us with his grace, which we very much need. You know, thinking of that and considering the author here, who is is Peter, I was just back reading in the Gospels in the last couple of days, again, where Peter, right before the Lord's trial and in his uh, ultimate crucifixion, Peter was very boastful. And, you know, he spoke right up, Lord, well, I'll not deny you. I'll not deny you. Of course, we all know the story. I mean, that was really a demonstration of Peter's pride that had uh, consumed him. And he experienced, verse 6, uh, shortly thereafter, being humbled under the mighty hand of God. And, of course, we know he was the one that denied when the little girl approached him. And that surely humbled him. But then the Lord came to him, right, again, after his resurrection and restored Peter in this condition of utter lowliness and really restored him. And then on the day of Pentecost, here's Peter in a sense exalted. He's experiencing both, being the pride, the natural pride, the being humbled under the hand of God and then being exalted. He was living out what he's writing here, wasn't he? Absolutely. Peter was speaking from experience. He had this experience of being humbled under God's mighty hand. Well, we're going to go on to verse 7, and I think it's another point that should be striking to uh, so many of our listeners. It certainly touches uh, me when I read this verse. Casting all your anxiety on him because it matters to him concerning you. Let's uh, join Witness Lee for his fellowship on verse 7. Casting all your anxiety. Casting means throw things, throw your burden upon others. So we all have to learn how to throw our burden to God. Our burden is upon our shoulder. Throw it. 
from our shoulder to God. That means cast. Cast to him all, all your burden, all your anxiety. Peter says, through all your anxiety, the whole lot of your anxiety, throughout your entire life, the whole life with all its anxiety, do it once. Don't say for all. <laughs> once, but not for all. <laughs> you have to do it again because we are so weak. Sometimes we throw our burden God after two hours, we secretly steal back. <laughs> I did a lot. Then after two days, I got troubled. I found out I couldn't bear. So I say, Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't steal back. I still would pass on to you once more. And I also told the Lord, not only today's anxiety, even my entire life, Lord, while on this earth, I know, I anticipated, I just anticipated a lot of anxieties will coming. The apartment we live in has a window that's very good to see all the airplanes coming in. Anytime, every minute, you look at the window, some planes come in, come in, come in. Sometimes they come in in pair, and they come in in a parade. Yeah. My point is this, you have to realize anxieties, just like the airplanes. <laughs> Try the best to cast all your anxiety on him because it matters to him concerning you. Boy, it's a very visual picture he gave us here. I happened to be flying into uh, Los Angeles the other night, and it was one of those nights where we were circling. And it was a clear night. You could see, I don't know how many, there must have been 30 or 40 planes stacked up, all waiting to come in. And one right after another, as he said, a, a, just a parade. And our anxieties, the cares of this life, often are very much like this, aren't they? They are, Chris, lined up one behind the other, waiting to land in our little airport right, <laughs> to visit us <laughs> yeah. with anxiety. You know, we don't know what tomorrow may hold. We don't know how many airplanes are out there <laughs> circling and waiting to land to bring us anxiety, what kind of circumstances we may encounter. So anxiety is very much like a line of airplanes landing in an airport. It just seems that they are coming in all the time. So we need to be those who are at one point in our life, we need to cast the whole lot of our anxiety upon the Lord. That means all the anxiety for our whole life, realizing that our life will be a life of anxieties. There will be circumstances that we find ourselves in that we couldn't imagine yeah. would come to us, but they do, and with them come anxiety. So we have to cast the anxiety of our whole lifetime on the Lord, and then also, moment by moment, because we are so weak, mm -hmm. we, we take back, you know, the responsibility for our life and away from the Lord. So we have to bear the anxiety ourselves. So we have to learn to, again, cast them upon the Lord because, as the recovery version says, it matters to him concerning us. He has a loving concern for all the believers, all his children, especially those who are suffering under his mighty hand.
Yeah, the the suffering uh, that he brings upon us, or at least allows to come upon us for the sake of working this humility, as we were talking about a moment ago, often brings with it anxiety. No doubt when Peter was being persecuted, after he boldly spoke, you know, to uh, the religious ones, he was no longer timid and denying. Now he was, uh, you know, speaking so boldly. And soon after, he was cast into prison. I'm sure that brought anxiety with it. So again, Bob, interesting that he points out the literal term here of a casting is really to throw, like you throw a ball up on a shelf almost. I mean, it really has this sort of a letting loose, doesn't it? That's right. This is a very good word. We need to throw our anxieties on the Lord and let him bear them for us. All right. The portion today continues with verse 8 now. Uh, We're just sort of plugging along in chapter 5, and all of these points, I think, are really touching where we are living our lives. This is good stuff. Be sober in verse 8. Watch your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking someone to devour. Let's join Witness Lee for this portion as we conclude our program today. Verse 8. Be sober. Watch. If you don't cast that anxiety upon the Lord, your mind could never be sober. The whole day, you will be under a thick cloud. So, to be sober needs to cast your anxiety on the Lord and watch. You know, anxiety is a subtle enemy. Too many times, anxiety is Satan's incarnation. So we have to watch. Don't let anxiety invade you. This word watch implies fighting. This is a military word. Don't let the enemy come in. Anxiety is always a kind of a subtle thing. Behind anxiety, within anxiety, is the devil. If you take anxiety, you just welcome Satan. So, be watchful. The Lord Jesus told us the same thing. Watch and pray. The devil comes to us to uh, attack us in the cloak of anxiety. I say, roaring lamb. This indicates the devil's constant and aggressive Activity in seeking prey. So, be sober. Watch. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking someone to devour. And this one may be you. Bob, there's this term, this phrase, a Trojan horse. I think that's somewhat what he's presenting here. It comes as an anxiety, as a care related to usually our living, our family, something very close to us. And it's an anxiety, but really it's veiling something very subtle behind it most often, isn't it? That's right. I really appreciate Witness Lee's word here. It really is an exposing of God's enemy. Anxiety, he said, is often the incarnation of Satan. So when anxiety comes, Satan comes in an incarnated way. He himself is actually the one behind the anxiety, and he's within the anxiety, so that if we accept anxiety, we welcome him. This is very enlightening. We need to have a sober mind to understand 
the work of God's enemy to send to us anxiety. God's intention is never that we would be anxious in anything. Even the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 said, be anxious for nothing. Wow. But in everything, Give by prayer, prayer and petition, let your requests be made known to God. And then it says, God will patrol your hearts with peace. You know, this <laughs> yeah. is, God wants us to have peace in every situation, not anxiety. But if we accept anxiety and we welcome it and we begin to bear it, then spontaneously we could be damaged by God's enemy because we lose our soberness. Mm -hmm. When we're under a thick cloud of anxiety, we fail to have a sober understanding of what's happening to us. And also we're no longer watchful. We're not able to watch. So the enemy as a roaring lion. He's walking about seeking someone to devour and he likes to devour the anxious ones right. and the proud ones. So two things we cannot afford. One is pride. The other is anxiety. We must cast our anxiety upon the Lord. This is a word for all of us. I feel this is a word to me mm, yeah, because no. anxiety visits us yeah. constantly. And we have to realize anxiety does not come from God. Perhaps God will allow us to suffer but he does not send us the anxiety. He wants to be peace to us. If we will cast our anxiety upon him, we will enjoy him as grace, we will experience him as peace, and we'll be kept from the devouring of the roaring lion. It seems that the subtlety behind anxiety or the real mark of God's enemy is that it fills our hands with something other than God. And we're preoccupied. We're fully occupied when, you know, when we're caught up with anxiety, I mean, we can almost can't force our minds onto anything else. And, you know, Watchman E uses this to illustrate that that's Satan's objective to fill our hands with something other than Christ. So hence we're told to empty our hands, to throw it up, to throw it off, to cast it off so that our hands again can handle the one who is this peace and this uh, protection. That's right, Chris. We should, not accept Satan's incarnation, Satan's visitation as anxiety. For this, we need a sober mind. We need to have a sober and serious understanding that God, in allowing us to suffer, has a very positive purpose toward us, and that is to cause us to be humbled under his mighty hand so mm. that we may receive him as grace. Right. But Satan, on the other hand, has a very negative intention whenever we are suffering, and that is to fill our hearts with anxiety, to cause us to no longer be watchful so that he can come in and take advantage of us in a negative way. We need a sober understanding so that we will realize God's positive intention and Satan's negative intention, and we will throw our anxiety upon the Lord. So we need to watch, as he said, as a military term, as a military exhorting, watching for your enemy. This is how he's coming very often. Boy, this was a practical, helpful fellowship today on all these points, the matter of pride and humility and anxiety. And the result is that our peace is restored once again. Good to have you, Bob. If you'd like to get the printed uh, resources, both First and Second Peter Life Studies or perhaps the recovery version, call us and we'll let you know how you can do that. It's very simple. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send us email. Just send it to radio at lsm.org. 
For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wild. Thanks very much for listening today. Are you enjoying this program online or on a smartphone right now? Did you know there's much more from Living Stream Ministry that you can carry with you? Go to lsm.org slash ePublications to discover all that we have available for your tablet, e-reader, or smartphone. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and ePub formats, which means you can read this ministry on any PC, Mac, Android, Palm, Blackberry, Sony, or Linux device. Everything from the recovery version of the Bible to the complete life study messages and a vast array of other titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee are now just a touch away. The Word of God is rich and weighty, but now you can take it with you wherever you go. Again, the website, lsm.org slash ePublications. Thanks for listening today. What is the church? The church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23. The body of Christ is not an organization, but an organism, constituted of all the regenerated believers for the expression and activities of the head. The body of Christ is the issue of the incarnated, crucified, resurrected, and ascended Christ, who has come into the church. By means of the ascended Christ's heavenly transmission, we are made one with him, and thus his body is produced. Scripture, Ephesians 1.23, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.